Jason, do you remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Yoga, wine tastings, fun parties, as well as other interesting learning activities. Well, guess what they're up to now? Ooh, do tell. They are now having their own show on ACB Radio Mainstream. It's called Pride Connection. That's great. But what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? No worries. This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. And in the words of BPI's leadership, everyone is welcome. BPI is proud to offer an open space where you can be yourself. Mm, so what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness topics to LGBT education, technology to advocacy, accessibility issues to everyday topics. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect, mingle, and learn while having fun. Pride Connection. Join the BPI party every Tuesday at 10 p.m. on on ACB ACB Radio Radio Mainstream. Mainstream. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. The following program contains topics particular to the LGBTQ plus community. Some discussions may contain mature themes. As such, listener discretion is advised. This is Pride Connection, sponsored by BlindLGBTPride.org, otherwise known as BPI, every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. on ACB Media One and shortly after on all your major podcast catchers. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and this week we have something really special for you. I participated recently into Fall Into the Census, a conversation about sexuality, sensuality, vulnerability, consent, and all kinds of great stuff. Um, If you haven't checked out Bold Blind Beauty, please hit them up at www.boldblindbeauty.com. These are some great folks advocating and passing along great information for our community, and I'm really proud to have been part of this conversation, which is ongoing, so look for a winter edition soon. Uh, We'll be back with another great show next Tuesday. As always, you can hit us up with ideas or questions or comments at membership. That's membership at blindlgbtpride.org. Hi, welcome to part two of Awakening the Senses, the Fall Edition. I'm Stephanie McCoy, the founder of Full Blind Beauty, 
I'm a medium brown skinned woman of color. I have short, blondish, dark brown hair. I'm wearing a navy sleeveless top with miniature white polka dots with a silver dangly earring. Now I'm going to turn it over to Nazreen. Thanks, Steph. Hi, I'm Nazreen, everybody, and I am a South Asian woman of light skin color. I'm wearing a navy t-shirt with a v-neck line, and I have on red rim glasses, gold earrings, and my hair is shoulder length wavy, and it is a chestnut brown with gold hues through it. And it's uh, great to be here this afternoon. I'm going to turn this over to our co-host, Teresa, who's going to take us into the discussion of fall into Awakening the Senses and our panelists. Teresa? Thank you, Nazreen and Stephanie. My name is Teresa Gregg. I am a certified life coach. I am five foot Caucasian. I have really long dark brown hair with some blonde highlights. Um, my shirt I'm wearing, I believe, is a color coral. Nope, color coral color with flowers and a little bit of shiny bling on it. So we'll go ahead and introduce our panelists next, and then we will dive into our topic today. We'll start with Thomas. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Thomas Tati. Um, I'm about five foot ten, white individual uh, with a Scottish descendant and a little bit of Native American mixed in. Um, I live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I am in my late 40s, and I'm bald. And I'm currently wearing a tan button-down shirt that has dark lines down it. Nice. Thank you, Thomas. Um, Natalie, would you like to go? Yes. Hi. I am uh, Natalie Watkins, and I am Caucasian, medium skin. I have dark brown hair that falls just below the shoulders. It's curly. Uh, with eyes. I am wearing a um, medium blue dress um, and I live in South Texas. Nice. Anthony? Hi, I'm Anthony Corona. I am in Miami, Florida. I am a six foot tall Caucasian of Italian descent. I have dark brown, almost black hair. It's kind of spiked out right now. Hazel green eyes. Oh, I'm told that, you know, I'm movie star good looking and I tend to like to believe that. <laughs> um, and I am wearing a black t-shirt with um, the character Yoshi in various rainbow shades. And he's dancing among the letters of the word fearless. It is to represent nice. the LGBTQ plus community. And I am very glad to be here. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, Takesha? My name is Takesha Saffold, and I reside in Riviera Beach, Florida. I am a Black American female, which I'm 5'3". I have naturally curly coiled hair. I'm brown skinned complexion. I am wearing a silver flower studded earring with a black and white striped shirt and a black pencil skirt. Very nice. Thank you all for being here for this panel presentation. It is revolving around sensuality and sexuality. 
Our panel presentation this past spring mainly covered um, what it is like to be vulnerable and how self-care relating around our blindness and our intimate relationships. For this discussion, we are going to be talking about boundaries and how we keep our boundaries strong along with being vulnerable with our blindness and intimate relationships. So the definition of boundaries is a dividing line. It's a limit of a subject or sphere of activity where one person begins and the other one ends. It is put in place to protect your well-being. So I'm going to give a couple definitions about different boundaries, and then we're going to have our panelists discuss which one they have struggled the most with in their relationships or if they're in a current relationship now. So physical boundaries is about your body and privacy and physical space. It's also respecting digital boundaries, which refers to Facebook and social media and online presence. We have emotional boundary. It's in touch with your feelings and your partner's emotional well-being. Sexual boundary, it's the expectation of physical intimacy, mutual respect and consent of your partner's sexual uh, needs and desires. Intellectual boundaries, it's respect of beliefs, ideas, opinions, traditions, spirituality. Financial boundaries is pertaining to discussions around financial uh, joint and individual uh, decisions and the respect around that. So there are several other boundaries we could have included, um, but we're sticking with the basics. So we're going to go around the panelists, and I would like you to tell me two things. One, if you're in a current relationship, or two, this is pertaining to past relationships that you've struggled with. So I want you to discuss the boundary that you struggle with the most. And the question is, how can you stay vulnerable, but exhibit healthy boundaries relating to your relationship? So Takesha, I'll have you go first. What boundary have you struggled with the most and why? I have been with my significant other for the last few years, and I'm open-minded when it comes to my sexuality and with my partner after developing that type of or level of comfort over the last few years. So some things I am open to trying um, and exploring. So... I don't think that I really have many boundaries that has made me uncomfortable in my relationship. So we have a mutual understanding of what we both like, and we certainly try to satisfy both of our needs. That is, that is awesome, Takesha. Having that open relationship and that respect is the foundation of any solid relationship, whether it's intimate or friendship or even in the work field. So thank you for sharing. Um, Anthony, would you go next? Yeah, so um, I am in a relationship. It's, it's a little over two years. And um, 
I don't really struggle with boundaries very much. You know, I think when, for me, when I placed my trust into, you know, I, I'm very fond of saying before him, I was a very, very happy hoe. I enjoyed being single. I enjoyed expressing my sexual out, my sexuality, my sensuality. You know, but when we, when we came together, you know, a lot of, of what the typical boundaries are just really didn't exist for us because we both came from that space and we've lived out lots of our fantasies and, and had, you know, we both lost our sight later in life. Um, so we had that commonality, but we also were at the point where the boundaries that came up because of losing sight were already kind of coming down and we were becoming the next phase of who we're meant to be. For me, the boundaries come up more with family and friends, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like feeling weak. I don't like feeling that I need assistance or I need understanding or support. Um, and that's, there's a whole lot of stories that I, could, that I could go into to tell you why. But, you know, more for me, it's, it's actually other relationships. My partner and, and I are, are very well defined in our roles here. That is awesome. We've got a good solid foundation. So we'll keep going with the panelists and then we'll bring it back to what Anthony was talking about with the boundaries with our families and friends, because that's pretty common. Um, Sometimes we're close or we come from a dysfunctional family and it's hard to maintain those solid boundary lines. So um, Thomas, would you like to go next? Is there a particular boundary that you have struggled with? Yeah. Um, since I lost uh, my vision about six years ago, I'm a very social creature. And I like going out and being out and about and meeting people. And I always kind of relied upon my vision, you know, for cues from if I met a nice lady. And oh, by the way, forgot to say, I am single. Uh, I do not have a partner. But when I do meet somebody, um, I always had used visual cues you know i can always kind of tell when i'm talking to a female it's like oh is she tilting her head a certain way is she is she smiling is she kind of kind of got a smirk uh uh, is she sitting kind of close to me um you know it it, as you keep going on in the conversation you, you kind of pay attention to cues and you also try to trust your gut feelings, like, gosh, I'm really attracted to this person. And you're kind of wondering to yourself, is this person attracted to me? But when I lost my vision, I didn't have those cues to rely upon. I had to kind of listen a little more intent to the voice, uh, especially if I was on a date with a blind person or a person with vision. Because I couldn't tell with my vision how they were reacting to me as an individual. So I kind of had to listen a little more carefully and, and listen to their tone of voice. Maybe a giggle here or there or how they reacted to the way I spoke to them. I'm trying to pick up on cues. I mean, a good example of this was a couple of years ago. I was doing a contract uh, job in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was my last day in town. And 
I decided to go out to this one little pub that I enjoyed while I was in there at Des Moines for six months. So I decided to go spend my last dinner in town. And while I was sitting at the pub, a young lady sat next to me and um, she started a conversation with me and it kind of, you know, led to one and we got to kind of know each other. And by the time uh, end of our conversation, it was like, oh, it's closing time and it's time to go. And I said, it was nice meeting you. And she gave me her business card. And she goes, oh, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And she had realized that I was a blind individual and she was, you know, person with vision. And I said, well, thank you. It was nice meeting you. And I will keep in touch with you. And she's like, oh, how far do you live away? And I said, I just live like a couple blocks. She goes, oh, are you walking home? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, I'm staying at the Hilton, which is right over by your place. She goes, do you mind if I walk with you? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 definitely. It's kind of like, oh, wow, this is, this is really good. I mean, I'm all excited, you know. So we're walking, you know, we get to my apartment building. And I said, well, your hotel is about a block and a half up. And she's like, oh, okay. And we chatted a little bit more. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a chance, you know. Um, so I asked her nicely, which was very hard for me, you know, when I did lose my vision because I couldn't tell if, if she was interested in me or not, um, I didn't want to be like too forward, too aggressive. Because as I was learning non-visual skills, they kind of teach you, you know, do not touch people. Always ask permission ahead of time. Don't invade someone's bubble. You know, try to have that imaginary, you know, line between each of you unless that person gives you permission to touch, allow them to touch them, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a chance here. So I said, um, Lisa, uh, is it okay if I can get a hug from you? She's like, oh, yeah, definitely. I'm like, oh, great. So we embraced, and I'll tell you what, it was the most wonderful feeling. It's like I hadn't been hugged in a long time, and it felt so right and, full, and so comfortable. And so after hugging, we chatted a little bit more and, and then uh, she kind of walked me to my door and then she's like, talked a little bit more. And I said, Lisa, before you leave, can I ask for one more hug? And she's like, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, okay. No, I'm like, all right, I'm on a roll here. You know, it's like, this is, this is great. And um, we embraced again, and it felt so right and so comfortable. And I really, really wanted to kiss her. But I was too, like, gosh, I don't know. I, I don't want to think I'm kind of like a weird guy because I have to ask permission <laughs> to kiss her. You know, before I could always kind of tell by cues when I had vision that, you know, when you lean into somebody or get a hug, then, you know, kind of touch lips. And, and then, you know, that, that person's kind of interested. But I didn't want to be, you know, overbearing or rude. And so we said we would call each. Yeah. I'm probably going to inter interrupt you sure. <laughs> just so we can get to another uh, panelist. Okay. But I'd, I'd like to come back to to your story. So thank you sure. for sharing. And, and part of boundaries is having those 
uh, physical and auditory cues that we do pick up from other people when we're starting a relationship or a friendship. So uh, that is great. Um, Natalie, you're next. Yes. Um, well, I've been married for 23 years. And I think as my vision has deteriorated, um, something that's been a bit of a challenge is being, not being able to give, um, feedback on my husband's appearance. So, mm-hmm. you know, I rely on other senses, but not being able to say like, oh, that shirt really brings out your eyes or, you know, your butt's hot in those jeans or, <laughs> um, not being able to do that has been a loss and, you know, just finding different ways to express that appreciation. But I struggle more with boundaries. You know, I can really connect with what Anthony was saying that he struggles more with boundaries with other people. And Mm -hmm. the main thing I struggle with is asking for others to accommodate me, whether that be in my intimate relationships with my husband and asking him, you know, if we're on a drive, like, can you provide some visual interpretation and tell me about the scenery and, or if it's in a situation where I'm with a bunch of sighted people and uh, they're working on a project and asking them to email me things electronically before meetings, I, I still struggle with that. And, um, and I don't know what to attribute that to um, because I certainly don't feel ashamed to be blind but sometimes I really struggle with asking for exactly what I need, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. And you'll, that's, that's very common in relationships where one uh, person is, uh, has a vision loss and the other one is fully sighted. So Natalie, when you were talking about asking for that extra assistance or visual interpretation, what emotion came to mind when you were talking about that out loud? Well, I think it's feeling like you're being a pain or an inconvenience or, and and that's something intellectually I don't really connect with because I personally enjoy making life accessible for people that maybe experience things differently, whether it be through the way they emotionally see the world or I think we all have challenges and we all need help in some way. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of providing that help. So I don't know why I have that reluctance to ask for it myself. You know, it's not an intellectual kind of reaction. It's just more this Mm -hmm. reluctance. So let's open it up to the whole panel now, and I'll just, I'll just let you dive in. So when we're talking about boundaries and your blindness in relation to any relationship, uh, your family, children, uh, work, or your, your intimate partner, what is one aspect that you struggle with? Like Natalie was saying, she struggles with asking for extra accommodations for herself. She's glad to give it, but it, it's harder for her to ask for it. So in that particular scenario, what are the other panelists? What have you guys struggled with? All right, I'll hop in. Um, yeah, go I ahead. Think, 
I think for me, I, I definitely echo what Natalie is saying. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was on my own from the time I was 17 years old. And, you know, I, I built a life that I was able to sustain without needing much support. So, you know, when this hit suddenly, it, it was devastating, you know, to, to say the least. And mm-hmm. I isolated away from almost everyone for a while. It was, you know, it was my my due to to get mobility, to get the dog, to get the skills that I needed before I could reemerge into the world. I find myself kind of addressing it before most people get a chance to address it, especially in new mm-hmm. situations. You know, I'll make the the off-key comment or the joke to, you know, lighten the situation, or if we've all experienced this, you know, where's your person? Um, what person? You know, your person, the person that helps you. Oh, I don't have one of those, do you? You know, and, and I'll, <laughs> I, I'll try to you know, off-put the situation before, before they get a chance, you know, to, to start feeling bad. And I find that, you know, once I get them in that, you know, I get people in that space, the questions and, and the conversation go a lot more um, flowing rather than, oh, I don't know if I should ask this. Oh, never mind. In, in things like that, it, you know, it sets, mm-hmm. it sets the tone immediately. This blind guy is cool with being blind. Yeah, that's awesome. So you are just putting it out in front of you. This is who I am. Um, I'm willing to talk about it. I'm, I'm an open book. So let's just, let's Fearless. just <laughs> Fearless. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a great attitude. Thomas or Takesha, do you have anything to add? Yeah, this is Thomas. I, I do have something to add. I, like mm-hmm. I said in the beginning, I'm a very sociable person. I like meeting new people. And, and when I do that, I have great conversations, you know. But there's been a few occasions um, when I am talking to somebody, I'll have somebody come out of the blue while I'm talking to an individual and say, say, uh, sir or ma'am, do uh, you know you're talking to a blind guy? And I'm like, really? You know, it's like, that's kind of rude to come up and, you know, tell the other person I'm having uh, a conversation with that I'm blind. Because the person across didn't come across as like, oh, you're a blind individual. We're just having a great conversation. And then they're embarrassed and then they get up and leave. And that kind of, you know, made me angry. But after a few times, it's like, you know what, if that person decides that they can't have a conversation with just the individual, you know, shame on them. I'm a great guy. I like talking. We were having a great conversation. So somebody pointed them out in a crowd saying, oh, you're talking to a blind guy, you know, and that mm-hmm. embarrassed them. That made them feel like, oh, my gosh, everybody's looking at us. And it's like, well, OK, you're lost, you know. But yeah, it's just that vulnerability that people out of rudeness just would point out that out to other people instead of, you know, I'm like anybody else, people with vision or no vision or any type of Mm -hmm. disability. I'm a human being. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's what it boils down to. Takesha, do you have anything to add? Yes. Um, To echo what has already been stated, I've been blind for 13 years now so accepting myself was something that I had to build up to at some point and at this point I 
have fully accepted that I am blind and I am extremely confident in myself and my ability. So unfortunately, the misconceptions that people may have about blindness as someone who educates and advocates in the general public, I don't have a problem with taking that opportunity to inform and to let people know about me and what I'm able to do and how confident that I, that I am about just me being blind and just, you know, doing and participating in everyday tasks. But um, of course, we have those situations where, you know, people who are uneducated about blindness or disabilities in general, they may do or say something that they may not be aware that could offend us in some way. But I try not to be offended because I have come to the conclusion that that's just what it is. And sometimes I take the opportunity to say something and sometimes I just let it go. I just sort of pick my battles. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, yeah, because some things is just not worth addressing in the moment. And sometimes it can be tiresome to mm -hmm. constantly Absolutely. do so yeah. all the time. Yeah. So, but as long as I know who I am and it doesn't affect me to where um, that person who may be uneducated, you know, I know about myself and that's where the confidence comes in where you feel so good about yourself that there's nothing that a person can really say. You know, some things I just either laugh about or joke about and just sort of like, take lemons and turn it into pink lemonade in my own nice. sense. So doing that, you know, has helped me to just move forward and not take everything so personal and just, you know, use myself as an example. So at some point a person could see that, well, this person, you know, she's, you know, unstoppable or she's whatever. And at some point, maybe it'd change their, misconception about blindness or disabilities in general. So it sounds like our panelists have great communications, a lot of confidence, a lot of communicating, a lot of self-awareness. So for those who are listening to this, who are struggling with boundaries, um, with a lot of my coaching clients, uh, we base things around emotions. So I'd like you to pay attention to what emotion uh, comes up when you're struggling with one of these boundaries and then where you're feeling it in your body. So you become more self-aware so that you can develop that confidence and the communication skills that our panelists present. So I'd like to put a new spin on it since we're living uh, with COVID and uh, the pandemic and the new strain um, that's going around. And we tend to be inside more. And that may happen this fall where they're beginning to shut things down. So how do you keep your sensuality and your boundaries and just your sense of normalcy when we are in isolation or when we have to go out and wear masks and our time is limited with socializing with other people? So how do you guys handle that? Well, for myself, I'm creative and I try to find creative ways to, because my partner prefers to do things at home or if we're out of and about, 
something that's outdoor and not so closed in. So I try to think mm-hmm. of creative ways to keep that, you know, where we're not feeling as if we're unable to hang out or do some fun things. So just cooking and listening to music or movies or games mm-hmm. or various things um, that I have done during this pandemic where we're not getting bored of, you know, just doing absolutely nothing. So creativity, <laughs> I would say, is very key in the yes. relationship and doing different things, not the same things over and over again, but something new, mm-hmm. something refreshing and something exciting, even if it is just being at home. Very nice. I like that. Anybody else? Yeah, this is Thomas. Um, I do to keep in shape. I do a lot of walkabout and some of the few fr- and being a single individual, it, it did kind of hurt me social wise because I couldn't go out with some of my friends, meet them at the pub or do any kind of really outdoor activity because of the pandemic. But while I was out on my walkabout, I got to know my neighbors a lot better. I mean, they would come out and like, oh, hey, we see you about every day walking by. You know, and we get to introduce ourselves. So I got to know my neighbors a lot more better and got a lot more closer. So now they know my name and I know their name. And it's quite nice to meet your neighbor because you might have lived in the same neighborhood for the last couple of years and just they ignore you and you ignore them. Or you might say hi and they might not say hi back. But that was kind of nice to get to know your neighbors. And the other thing too is that what I noticed to kind of keep my mind insane is that going to my local grocery store, I actually got to know some of the cashiers and their mm-hmm. names and my, and they knew my name. Like, Hey Thomas, Hey, it was good seeing you coming in. Even my, my bank tellers, I walk in now, you know, to do banking with my tellers. And as soon as I walk in the door, they're saying my name and, we're having great conversations. I learn about some of their family. So there's ways to meet people and still be socially distant. But I do miss some of my personal activities, you know, hanging out, listening to the jukebox, playing songs, maybe, you know, telling a few dirty jokes here and there, you know, (laughs) laughing and giggling. And I do miss that. Um, because nowadays you have to be a little more careful because you never know what, what's the word I'm looking for. Socially polite because you don't want to offend anybody. So, but when you're among your own friends, you, you can kind of let loose a little bit. That's about it. So Thomas, since you're the only single guy on the panel. <laughs> oh, geez. Thanks for singling me out. I appreciate you're it. You're most welcome. Thank you. Yeah. For... Bold and gorgeous. Okay. You're interested. Wow. <laughs> That's thank you. Right. All right. So... Finally get a nice handsome word from you. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Made my day. Appreciate that. Not to put Go you ahead. on the spot, but are you sure. actively looking for a relationship and how does that look for you as a blind person in this pandemic? I am. Yes, I'm actively looking, but I have to admit it is a little more difficult now days since Mm -hmm. being a blind individual. And I live in the second largest city 
but some of the blind community that are around me are either all married or some of the blind ladies are very don't really want to do a lot of activities outside of their home or their apartment. They're more of homebodies, which is fine, but I like to do things. I like to go camping and canoeing and going for walks or go to the movie theater. I mean, Netflix and, you know, other, you know, are fine at home, but I want to live life. I want to enjoy life. I mean, I was put on this great earth of ours to enjoy what time I have on here and the beauty in this that's around us. I mean, that's the whole purpose of life is being out there and having fun and trying to enjoy, you know, the people that you meet and, and mm-hmm. learning new things. Um, so it has been a little difficult, but at the same time, like I said earlier, I got to know my neighbors a lot better. I got to know my bank tellers of the yeah. cashiers at the grocery store. I mean, so you take the negative and you turn it into a positive. So I made more friends than I probably would have without the pandemic, too. Very nice. Anthony or Natalie, do you have anything? Um, I, I definitely agree with Takesha. You know, creativity, <laughs> there's a lot to be said for creativity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's something called role play, which can make things very, very interesting. If you, mm-hmm. you know, are comfortable in your own vulnerability, your own sensuality. But you know, the pandemic, the pandemic brought me back to to for the first couple of months the isolation that I felt right after I, I lost my sight, and I decided, oh no, 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 I'm not having this. Um, one of the blindness organizations started community calls and things, and I got heavily involved in that. But, um, and that's a great, they're still going on. So anybody out there who's interested should definitely check it out. There is anything you can think of topic wise, there's a call out there for it. Uh, but I digress. Um, (laughs) I paid a lot of attention to what I needed for myself, what I wanted for myself. You know, and once I was taking, you know, it's, it's that whole take the oxygen mask for yourself first and, and then help your partner, your family member, your friend. You know, I took stock almost every day. What do I want out of today? What do I need out of today? You know, and then, and then I looked to see what he needed and what he wanted. Um, you know, and like Tom said, there, there's, there's a lot that you can do being socially distanced. You just have to kind of be creative about it. Um, mm-hmm. But most importantly, that self-inventory. It's not only about sensuality or, or sex, which, you know, I crave a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's, about oh, that makes two. yeah, that makes two. You know, what do I want to accomplish? All of those things. Natalie, do you have anything to add before my next question? Well, no, I, I agree with what everyone said. I mean, variety, creativity, but I was no means an uh, example during the pandemic. I mean, I was as guilty as anyone of happy hours starting a little too early, <laughs> the workouts, the pajama pants staying on too long. So yeah. if we're in for round two of this, I think my commitment to myself and my partner is just to, to stay more active, even if that means you know, working out a lot more at home, be more creative in the kitchen, you know, whatever form that takes, 
um, making an active effort instead of just being reactive. So, and absolutely too, and getting out of the gloom and doom because that gets really taxing and exhausting and draining. So, can I throw one more thing out there before we go to another question? Of course. Yep. One of the biggest things I learned, and it was reinforced in the pandemic, but it was definitely going through some blindness, is that, you know, A, pervert, you know, um, proverbially, only I can look at myself in the mirror, you know, and if I can't mm-hmm. be fully honest with myself, then nothing else is going to be authentic. But exactly. you know, to layer with that, the biggest lesson that I learned is I had to stop wondering and worrying about what other people were going to think of whatever mm-hmm. I was presenting whether it be in a work situation, a romantic situation, or even the family situation. I just had to stop letting that matter, taking stock inside myself. And and that's, if anybody asks me for my biggest piece of advice, that's what it is. That's awesome, Anthony, because that was going to be my my next question. If you guys could offer one advice to someone who is struggling in their relationship uh, with boundaries, what would it be? Oh, I've got another good one. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're getting to those tough moments, tell, you, you listen to yourself. You know, take yourself out, out of the, the argument or the, or the, you know, discussion. You know, and go into another room and listen to yourself. Respond, go right back into that same conversation. Hear, you know, in your head what that person said and then respond again. And hear how you're saying what you're saying to them. Um, because you'll mm-hmm. surprise yourself how often you don't realize how dismissive you can be or how judgmental or how, you know, all the different varying emotions that you can put in there. And, and mm-hmm. that will really, okay, this is what they're hearing. No, I don't want to sound like this. So I've got to tr- retrain my mouth. Nice. Yeah, I, I Anthony agree brings with... up a good point. You have to be authentic. And a way to be authentic is to understand your values. And if you come across a situation or communication difficulty with your partner or another relationship, if you go back and review those values and make sure you're in alignment with what you're talking and walking, then that is definitely going to enhance your relationship. Also creating an accountability partner, whether it's your intimate partner or a really close friend, having that accountability partner and making you accountable for whatever you're working on. Like Natalie was saying, if if we get to the point with this pandemic, if we're all shut in again, you know, she's not going to wear pajama pants four days in a row. She's going to have someone to be accountable for her actions to make her present and positive in that moment. Thomas, you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I agree with what Anthony was saying. I mean, some of uh, the blind community, I, I, you know, I've talked to on the phone and stuff and asked that we can meet up, but, you know, and I have met up with a few and became really good friends with some of them. And some of them actually got the nerve and they said, hey, you can ask me any question. And they've asked me, how do I sound? And I said, well, you want the honest truth? And they're like, oh, yeah. So I'm like, well, be honest with you, um, I was attracted to you. I think you're a great friend, but you just seem 
unconfident about yourself. You seem down. You, you seem scared of life. You're afraid to step outside beyond that door. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, I didn't really know that until someone actually told me. Sometimes just having a conversation with somebody that doesn't feel confident about themselves can actually bring out their confidence. And you start in small steps with them, you know, mm -hmm. and they start slowly like, well, this is not really so bad after all, because after losing their vision or, you know, they felt scared and isolated, but they lost that confidence in themselves. And sometimes it just takes a friend to point it out to them. And I have a few friends now that, wow, they're out and about now. Before, when I first met them, they, they were just like, no, no, I don't want to go out. No, 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 no. It's like, okay, that's it. Natalie or Takesha, do you guys have something? So advice to people who are struggling yes. with boundaries. Um, I yeah. would say that what Anthony touched on in response, having that space between stimulus and response of mm -hmm. how you want to react to a situation. I think, you know, I, I even got a bracelet that says pause on it. And I can't read that it says pause, but I just touch it and I remember that it does. And that's my reminder to have patience because so many times when we experience frustration or irritation, it's because of things that are going on within us and has very little to do with the other person. And um, just having that little bit of pause between what's in a situation and how we react to it can totally change the energy and either harmony or disharmony in the relationship. And so that's been really helpful to me. Yeah, understanding your energetic profile, what energy are you bringing to the table or to wherever you're, you are at that particular place, you actually have the power to change someone else's energy just okay. by having that positive and confidence and yes. uh, communication skills. Um, they've actually done studies, um, if we're talking about your, your chakras in your body, your energy flow, that your heart chakra is 5,000 times stronger with energy than your, your brain is. So if you're coming from your heart center, like Anthony was saying, and you're being authentic, you can actually walk down the sidewalk and change someone else's energetic profile just by coming from your heart center and wherever you are at. So we have a lot of human potential that we're not tapping into, whether we're blind or sighted. You know, there's something else to be said about boundaries and, and our community. You know, there's a lot of talk about boundaries in our community. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of segments that want to make certain boundaries solid, concrete, you know, non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, you know, boundaries are our own personal manifestations of our feelings of what's going on inside us. You know, you, you need to find ways out there to, to communicate your boundaries to other people, but don't let, you know, a group or, you know, your friends or whatever it be, define your boundaries for you. Find, you know, find what that healthy balance is for yourself. And once, once you're completely comfortable with that, 
you'll be able to find ways to express it to other people. When Tom was talking about wanting to kiss, you know, once you got that second hug, it would have been okay to gently place your hand on the side of her face and, and, and look for a moment and say, can I? You didn't even have to say, can I kiss? Can I? Mm-hmm. She know. You know, and if she moved her head slightly, then you'd know, okay, it's just a hug, no kiss. But it, it all yeah. comes with being confident and knowing what your boundaries are and how, how to express them to someone else. And then you just instinctively know how to read someone else's boundaries along the way. Risa, this yeah. is Thomas. To yes. the end of my story, what Anthony said. Anyway, uh, this young lady and I became phone friends. Three months after I met her, she just blurted out, just like, how come you didn't kiss me? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, well, uh, you know, she caught me off the guard because I really wanted mm-hmm. you to kiss me. And, you know, at that time, I was like, I was still learning my boundaries as being trying and being a polite gentleman, you know, but like mm-hmm. Anthea said, I should have done that, but I was kind of not sure myself because I was learning new boundary as a blind person. So, but to hear that from her, I wish I did kiss her that night. But anyway. <laughs> well, can you kiss her now? No, she lives in New York City now. <laughs> she was in town for, she was in town for business for, and I just happened to meet her on the last day that both her and I were both leaving the next day to go back to our homes. So, and I'm kicking myself to this day, you know, like, ah, geez. but it was a lesson learned. I mean, sometimes, you know, in life you fall down and then you just got to pick yourself up, but I learned something yeah. from that night. So absolutely. Yep. So to wrap up, we were talking about boundaries. We were talking about coming from your authentic voice and self um, and space. It's all about being self-aware of yourself so you can set the boundaries for yourself and for other people that you come in contact with. So it's an awesome discussion. I'm glad you guys participated in our panel. Um, So Nazarene, I'll let you wind the conversation up. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you, panelists, Natalie, Anthony, Takesha, and Thomas. What a wonderful discussion on boundaries, blindness, and just senses all over. I love some of the conversation and pieces that we talked about that were actually came out of this discussion. And I'm hoping that you listeners out there will find many of our panelists and our co-host, who is a relationship expert, Teresa their ideologies, comments, and suggestions, and even their sharing of their journeys and experiences, enlightening, engaging, and also useful to yourself in your daily lives. Because we have to live with blindness and boundaries, knowing our boundaries, living within the scope of blindness, and trying to uh, manifest relationships with not only our family, our friends, but our, our intimate lovers, people we meet on the street, just knowing those boundaries can really help us, you know, make those relationships and foster into, into better relationships. And also being able to know your own boundaries and stay within them. And as some mm-hmm. of our, uh, some of the stories and journeys told here, uh, sometimes it just comes down to lessons learned and we end up kicking ourselves later. So let's not let that happen. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's know ourselves and let's be, let's be bold, blind, beautiful with boundaries. 
Thank you, everybody. Oh, very nice. This for Thank this you. edition of Falling Into Awakening the Senses. Everyone, stay tuned for uh, another one coming up in the future. Thank you all. Hey, everyone. This is Tim Cummings, your producer for Pride Connection, sitting here in my little glass booth. We have a couple of minutes left in the show. What I thought I would do is play a tune by Wayne Piercy, one of our BPI members.
You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind Pride International, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Please check us out at blindlgbtpride.org. Someday.